Because we have a link to the creator of all that is. So while we're pondering what is the meaning of life, the question you should be asking is, God, what do you require of me? And again, as I said, if you've had this kind of yearning, and and most of us, if not all of us, have at some point in our lives been sitting in our rooms or sitting in our house, maybe sitting at your desk or whatever at work, and you've kind of said to yourself, boy, there must be more than this. There must be more than this. And you feel this kind of pulling inside. And if you're a Christian, you're probably asking yourself, God, what is this kind of restlessness that I feel? I know when I had that restlessness many, many years ago, it was Jesus that was calling me. I was not saved, even though I had been a, been a, been a Baptist, if you will. I'd never really understood the meaning of salvation and what it meant to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But there was this pulling inside. I knew there was something else. Hadn't the faintest idea that God wanted me to be a preacher. And I kind of fought that because it was kind of like, me, no, you don't mean me. But there was always something there that was pulling. And I'm sure many of you feel also that there is something else that God wants me to do. Is there a hunger inside for more? Again, maybe you're not sure what your calling is, but you just kind of feel that there's a hunger. Sometimes you want to move to the next level in God. But then we are afraid of what God would want us to do. Many want to move up in God. Many want to really become really powerful and have a dynamite anointing with God. But then deep down inside they're afraid of really getting into the deeper things of God. I've heard people say that, well, if I get too deeply involved with God, then I've got to cut this out. I've got to cut that out. I've got to, you know, they feel like, gee whiz, you know, my party is going to be destroyed. I'll tell you one thing. You get in line with God, I don't care what you give up, you will never be more happier in life. There's a satisfaction that's there, there's a completeness. Because, and it's a peace, as the word says, that passes all understanding. Amen? When things are going on around you, and people are getting pink slips, and things like that, and everybody is kind of freaking out, and you're sitting there at at peace and, and calm. It's because you understand the deeper things of God. You have a personal relationship with God. You have that closeness with God where you know that I don't care if 10,000 pink slips are given out. And even if one is given to you, that I have bigger and better things ready for you. And you have that peace that passes understanding. But this can only happen if you're doing what God requires of you. You see? And don't be afraid of what that requirement might be. Because you don't know what kind of blessings are in store. Sometimes God wants to see just how obedient you're going to be to him. You see, you see many Christians say that I want to, boy, I want to have, you know, all of the gifts and I want to be able to lay hands and do this and do that. And, and I want to understand the deeper, really deep things of God. Yes, the little simple things that God tells you to do, you shy away from doing. Or you can't be trusted because you lack boldness to do what God is calling you to do. So is God going to really trust you with the deeper things of his kingdom? Is God really going to give you his deeper most secrets? Because you won't be worthy to to handle them. You might not be ready to handle them. In order for us to be victorious in this life, we must ask and submit to do whatever he's requiring us to do. So we're going to read some scriptures where we will see people being required to do certain things. And I'm going to jump ahead and kind of say this to you right now for you to think about as we're reading these scriptures. 
If you were to come to know exactly what it is that God told you to do, as the song said, would your answer be yes? Amen? And I submit to you today that moving ahead into the future, your very lives, your very destinies may depend on how you decide what you hear here today. And I prophesy out here openly that in the next couple of weeks, many of you are going to be put in positions where you're going to have to choose are you going to do what God is requiring me to do. Because it's all about choices. Everything you hear coming from this pulpit is all about choices. My job here is to take you through the Word of God and to explain what the Word of God is saying, but the bottom line is it's not me, but it's you that have to decide what, is, what it is you want to do with the knowledge that you get. So I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you that in moving forward the way things are going in this country and in the world, we as Christians are going to start having to make some real, real serious decisions and some choices. What does God require of me? Okay? And what God requires of you might not be what you think God is requiring you to do. What God may be requiring you to do might not be the calling that you think God has for you. Amen? 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 So you need to make sure that you're making the right choices. And that you're saying, yes, Lord. Are willing to say yes. Amen? Go to the book of Genesis. Genesis 22. I'm not here preaching fire and damnation. That is not, not the purpose here at all. But what I'm saying is that many of us kind of skate and live in this place where life is good, life is good. I got a job, I got a roof over my head, my health is good, life is good, you know? And it's kind of like the old fable about what was it, who was it, the, uh, the ant who was working all summer and the other animals and insects were just kind of just around doing their own thing, not even thinking, and then the ant was out there just feverishly working and preparing so that when the winter time came, he was prepared. It's kind of like us, you know, us, us as Christians sometimes. Life is good right now, you've got no challenges and whatnot, you know. But, and we don't stop to think about, am I on this path that God wants me to be on? Because the time will come where you could be challenged. Now this is an old familiar story, old familiar uh, series of events, so let's read through them and let's look at them a little closely relative to what we're talking about. What does God require of me? Verse number 1 of chapter 22 in Genesis. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac. Underline thine only son, Isaac. Thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. Underline, he rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac and, and his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. 
Now we see there in verse number 3 where it says, And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his men. Well, in the first place, you see it right there. Obedience. Obedience. God said to do this. Okay, Lord. God pointed out, he said in verse number 2, Take now thy son, thine only son, who you love, and get into the land, and order him there for a burnt offering. So how did Abraham feel about that right away? But he didn't stay in his bed. He got up in the morning and said, well, okay, Lord, let's see where... He's probably thinking, let's see where this is going, but I'm going to be obedient. Verse number four, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So he left his men, said, you stay here, me and my son are going to go up there to worship. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son and took the fire of his hand and a knife and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? The son is saying, Okay, we're going up here to make a burnt offering, but where's the lamb? Abraham said, My son, God will provide a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar, up, uh, on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now can you imagine, I mean, I see two outrageous acts of obedience there. First of all, the son didn't go fighting his son, his father. He said, man, are you crazy? What are you doing? You're tying up to put me on that wood? You imagine, you know, most people's reaction? But he went along and let his father place him on that wood. Verse 20 again, And Abram stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Please highlight all of verse number 12, in particular the part says, For now I know that thou fearest God. Okay? And this fear here, again, when you see fear used in this context, it's not talking about, you know, a, a, a scary fear. It's, this is extreme rever reverence for God. Extreme respect. Extreme reverence to the point here that he would do whatever God said, including giving up his only son that he loved. Now, if there was someone in your life, or something in your life, and you're going on in your prayers after you leave here today, that is, if you're really wondering what God requires of you, if you're really caring what God requires of you, and that is, if you really want to be sensitive to what God is requiring of you so that you can indeed say yes that is if you wish to say yes because I never assume I never assume I never assume that everyone that hears the sound of my voice and the message coming forth that everyone is going to buy into what the word is saying but if your answer is yes after you know what God requires of you and if it is a thing that God requires of you, would you be willing to give it up? God forbid that any of us would have to give up a family member like this. 
But Abraham did not know what God was going to do other than the fact that he trusted God. As painful as this may have been to him, to slay his only son, and you know how long he waited. You know the whole background to how Isaac came about, okay? And Ishmael, you know the whole story there. After all of this, you can imagine how Abraham must have felt. But the bottom line, his love for God, his trust for God, all he knew was that God said, go and do this. And Abraham said, yes, I'll go and I'll do this. Because in his heart, in his heart of hearts, while it may have been painful to him to slay his only son, he knew that God had a plan. He trusted God. He saw how awesome God had been in his life. So he still, he trusted God regardless. So as a result of him acting, starting to take the act, he says there, God says again in 12, and he said, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing as thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. That's the song that we often sing. Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mouth of the Lord it shall be seen. It shall be seen. Okay, and Jehovah-Jireh, Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord that provides. So here we see that because he was obedient for God, to God, God stopped him from giving up that thing that was so important to him, and God provided. So you have to, in, in this quest, if you are seriously going to go on this quest after today, asking God, what do you require of me? And if God says, this is what I require of you, and if that involves... Maybe stopping or giving up something that you hold so near and dear to you. It may mean changing your lifestyle. It may mean doing things time-wise other than what you're doing now. It may mean sacrificing a little bit. After that day in the bookstore and, and, meeting, our, um, and meeting the brother there and getting involved in the church that we were in, we wound up being so involved, the distance from home to that church was like driving from here to Portland. It was about 45, 50 miles. Sometimes we did it twice on Sunday. Wednesday nights when I was ministering, I had to go after work and drive that distance to go. We had three kids, one of which was Brittany was a baby at the time. We were there early and on time. One of the sisters in the church said, My, gee, I, I, live, I, I have one child and I live three blocks from here and you're always beating us to church. Did it require us getting up earlier? Yes, it did. But God required something of us. It required us to sacrifice. It required Tanya to have the wherewithal and the forethought to lay out the children's clothes the night before. Getting them ready. Planning what it was we had to do the next day. The Lord put it in my heart. He said, because I took it. And, and I mean, New York has snow. It never stopped us. <laughs> These kids are nodding because they, they know. It never stopped us. We were there like clockwork. Okay? What does God require of me? So we had sacrifices to make. Yes. But the payoff was, was wonderful. It was in spades. It took us to heights and things happened in our lives personally that were just beyond your wildest imagination. But it's a matter of you giving up and giving in to God. 
You may have to sacrifice a little bit of something, some discomfort or whatever, but, but, and that's not always the case. All of them just things that whatever God calls you to do, you make up your mind that that's your, and you're going to do it. Yeah, right, we lost an hour of sleep. We had to get up an hour earlier. <laughs> Alright, lost some sleep. Alright? But the bottom line is we're making is that if you're planning on doing this, if you're really going to be obedient to God, are you going to say yes? God requires faith and willingness to do what he wants us to do. Let's go to Deuteronomy. Book of Deuteronomy. You know, and many times, you know, and I can't overemphasize, because sometimes Deuteronomy 10, sometimes we kind of ignore it, but many times there are things happening in our lives, and again, there's this restlessness, if you will, um, that things are just not quite right. Not that anything is wrong, but something is not just quite right. I feel like there's more in life. I feel like there's something else that's going on. I feel like there's discord. If there's discord in the family, if there's discord going on with those that are around you, maybe there's something that needs to be changed. There'll be little signposts in your life. That you need to make some correction. That is not business as usual. Okay? Okay? What's that old thing about, uh, again, in, in the scripture, when I was a child, I played with childish things, but when I came a man, okay, I gave up childish things. So do I need to stop being kind of childish and kind of, kind of myopic, kind of tunnel visioned, that this is all that my life consists of? And this little bit that I see directly in front of me, this is where I'll be for the rest of my life. Well, I say one thing to you, you get locked into that tunnel vision, thinking that this is the sum total of my life, and I'm okay here, I'm happy here, and you're feeling like you want to take those blinders off. If you're not sensitive to God calling, and God asking you, what do you require of me, and you're being willing to say yes, the devil will get in there and have those blinds ripped off of you. And when those blinds are ripped off, it's like, you know, you being in a dark place, you know, for 30 days and whatnot, and it's pitch black, and then you walk out into the sunlight, and this light hits you and blinds you. If you're not ready for that, you won't be able to cope. Life is not going to be the same all the time. And especially if you are a Christian, if you're a child of God. There's a process taking place, there's a line of activity taking place outside that you cannot see. Outside of your field of vision, I'm saying. Outside of your spiritual field of vision that you can't see. We've been talking about this in Bible study quite a bit. What's going on in the spiritual realm that's around you. There are many forces out there, many forces that are out there that, as a child of God, they would not like you to succeed in what you're doing. And those forces just don't exist in the spirit realm, but those forces don't exist because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Those spiritual forces can impact and influence those human beings that are around you. So all of a sudden your workplace becomes intolerable. intolerable. All of a sudden your boss starts acting like he dislikes you. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, things in your immediate life start getting worse and worse that's going on. All of a sudden, your relationship between your children starts going crazy. Your relationship with your wife, relationship with your husband starts going crazy. There's forces that work out there to wreck your life. So maybe it's time for you to sit down and do some serious introspection, some serious reflection in terms of with God and say, Lord, 
Am I doing all that you require of me? And then honestly and earnestly be willing to say to God, God, what we have in this conversation, what we discuss, Lord, whatever you say to me, I'll do it. I'll do it. may not seem too pleasant to you at first, but you do it. The fascinating thing about doing what God is calling you to do, requiring of you, is that God will give you the strength to carry that out. Don't ask me how we made all those trips to church every Sunday. How after work on those dark, cold nights in the wintertime, driving through snow, I managed to get there on a Wednesday night to, to preach. God gave me the strength. He paved the way. So that didn't feel like it was a big deal. Being tired, not being energized, after a long work day, wasn't tired at all. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. At a time that we were taking, taking demon chasing classes, demonology classes and whatnot, and after a long daily service, we were there another three hours or so with the kids going through the classes. And then had to take that long drive back home. What does God require of you? And I'm saying this not to say, look at me, but I'm saying to you this, I'm saying this to you to say that if we could do it, you can do it. We're not special. The only difference is we made up our minds to serve God. And things will change, I guarantee you. But to you today, seems like this is good, life is sweet. Okay? Tomorrow, next week, next month could change. Okay? And at that time, are you going to be spiritually astute and sharp enough to readjust and say, Okay, God, I'm missing something here. Is there something else that you require of me? Deuteronomy 10, verse number 12. Excuse me. Deuteronomy 10, verse number 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? Please underline require. Now, Israel, what does the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, and to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Please underline, to serve the love thy God with uh, all thy heart and with all thy soul. What does serving God mean? Is serving God complete enough because you go to church? Is serving God enough because you, you pay your tithes and you do offerings? God doesn't need your money. Amen? God needs something that's much more important to him. And that is your heart and with all your soul. Alright? To serve thy, thy Lord, the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord. Underline. And the statutes which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heavens of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also, and with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Israel was chosen of all the people that were on the planet earth, because they were the only ones that believed in the, in the one God. The only ones. 
He chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not persons, underline, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. So the Lord thy God treats every, he doesn't regard, in other words, he doesn't care, he, 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 he doesn't show favoritism. Doesn't care whether you're short or tall, skinny or fat, black or white or any other color that's on this earth, where you're born, okay? Elsewhere, scripture says God is not a respecter of persons. I mean, he doesn't have a word that applies to you that's different for you. Amen? Verse 18 says, He does execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loves the stranger in giving him food and raiment, or clothing. Love you therefore the stranger, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, thou shalt, him shalt thou serve. Underline, fear the Lord thy God, and him thou, thou shalt serve. And to him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. Underline that please, shalt thou cleave. The word cleave means to stick to. To stick to like, 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 like glue. Okay? Alright? Amen? Amen? You shall serve him. Verse 21. He is, my, he is my praise and he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons. And now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. So what does God require of us? It requires that we love him, that we serve him. We revere him, whether you see the word fear. You hold him in, 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 high, in high reverence, in high regard. But how do you do that if you're putting God secondary in your life? If you're putting everything before God? Your job, your sleep, your food, anything that's more important, you know? I, I, I still, I, I still, am, I, 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 my mind still, still boggled by, and I've mentioned this how many times over the years in sermons, but I'm so boggled by every time that my wife and I are leaving home, <clears throat> driving to church, and we pass, we pass people today, some are out jogging. One guy, a couple of women out there watering the lawn, and the little kid was playing there with some toys and stuff. Just on doing their things. God forbid you have to go to a store before you come to church. Gee whiz, man, the stores are packed. Winco Sunday is probably the heaviest shopping day of the week. Okay? They have no idea of what does God require of them. Okay? See? The thing about it is that to me that's tantamount to someone, someone that loves you. You've got no time for him. All of us that have children, if you don't have children, you've got a wife or you've got a husband, you've got someone that you love. It's like you not having time for them. Well, especially where children are concerned, I mean, you know, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't be here. Yes, no, we have no time for him. How might you imagine God sees and how does his heart break for that? When he calls out, one of the meanings of life, reasons of life for us, Christians, his children, are, is for us to get out there and to speak to those. Speak to his lost children. Israel, in the Bible, they were to go to the lost. Jesus spoke about that. About going to the lost. 
So what does God require of you? Does God, God require of you to even speak to those that are lost? And again, I always say very quickly, I'm not saying that all are, are called to the office of evangelist. But there are ways that we all can evangelize. You'd be surprised how God may send someone across your path with a problem, with an issue that God would want you to minister to. But how many times do we as Christians, you know, you know are, are, are afraid? We're afraid to show our Christianity or to let someone else know that we're a child of God. Because we don't want to seem uncool. Because we want to seem like, you know, we're just like, like you. See, I can hang out. I can do this, man, I can, I'm cool, okay? Instead of standing up and saying, I'm a child of God. And here's my position on this. Or if you're asking me something, here's my perspective based on the word of God. What does God require of me? Am I prepared to sacrifice my standing? Am I prepared to sacrifice my popularity with people in the office, people in the neighborhood, people that I know? Am I afraid that someone is going to stop talking to me? Simply because they find out, oh my gosh, he's a Christian, she's a Christian. Well, I tell you what, you're almost better off if that person is going to feel like that. Let God minister to you when you need to minister to them. Amen? But what does God require of me? If you're feeling anxious and you're feeling like there's something else in your life, that there's more that's going on, I say to you that I bet you dollars to donut that God is calling you for some reason. God is speaking to you. So all of a sudden your life seems turned upside down and it's not quite like what it used to be. Sometimes it happens suddenly, sometimes it's a gradual thing. God may be calling to you, all right? Because your life was the way it has always been for the last whatever number of years that you're alive. And all of a sudden God is saying to you and there's this pulling and this is like, well, gee whiz, this is not like what I've known before. I didn't do this before. I didn't know this before. I didn't hear this before, you know? I don't believe in coincidence for us Christians. God's in charge. God orchestrates your, your, your whereabouts. Now, of course, you have, being that you have free choice, you can always do what, something other than what God is calling you to do. But God will present opportunities before you, have you appear in places, have you be in places where he wants to say something to you, where he wants to get your attention. And sometimes it can be in the most unlikely places. But you need to be prepared. What does God require of me? We continue here in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. What does God require of me? Underline, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know you this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known, and which have not seen the chastisement of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm, and his miracles, and his acts, which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all his land. 
and what he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, unto their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them unto this day, and what he did unto you in the wilderness until you came into this place, and what he did unto Dathan and Abiram and the sons of Eliab and the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their households, and their tents, and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. But your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Please underline. But the eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong, underline you may be strong, and go in and possess the land, whither you go in to possess it. And that you may prolong your days, underline that you may prolong your days in the land, which our Lord swear unto your fathers to give to them, to their seed, a land that flows with milk and honey. So he's saying there, you've seen the mighty miracles that I've done. You've seen how, how I've protected you. Okay. You see all of the, 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 the many things, uh, it says is in seven, but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord which he did. Therefore, he's saying to keep his commandments that we may be strong and possess the land. Well, if you want to remain strong and to possess the land, and you've heard me say before that we as Christians, we all have a promised land. And those promised lands over the years in your life can sometimes change. The promised land as a modern day or as a Christian today or is anything that could be in your life that you're praying for. That really would be a tremendous breakthrough for you. And God is getting you to that promised land. But as you journey to get to that promised land, that place in your life, that blessing that God wants to give you, you may have to pass through a wilderness like Israel did. And the wilderness will be the challenging things that come up in life. The things that would almost seem to want to hinder you from getting there. It could be what could be perceived as, as, as how you're being pushed backwards as opposed to moving forward. It could be something in your life that is, that is upsetting to you. It's the wilderness. There could be the, the dryness where you feel like you're not being fed. It could be the things in your life that, that have made you just miserable. But if you stop and think about it though, hopefully during those times, that as you still called on God and God and you followed Him, He provided water for you when the time was near. He provided food for you. He helped you to get through that wilderness. And all that we need to get to and to receive and to achieve the promised land that we're waiting for is to love God and to follow Him every step of the way. You see? See? Now, Israel saw many miracles. They saw the Red Sea parted and, and, and the devil was after them in the form of Pharaoh. After Pharaoh let them go, he decided, I'm going to go and get them back. Okay? Alright? Well, you stop and think about it too. How many times in your life has God, God done things for you? There's a loan that you're applying for and you really, really hope to get that loan and boy, oh boy, oh boy, and maybe you're not too sure of it and all of a sudden they, they tell you that your loan's been approved and you're like, oh, thank the Lord, thank the Lord, thank the Lord. And you're happy about that. Looking for an apartment, a place to live or whatever it might be, different things, a house, or whatever it is that you really, really, really were praying for. And God came through and blessed you. 
Though those were the signs, the same way Israel saw signs in their wilderness, there have been signs in your wilderness too, if you stop and think back. Look how God has bailed you out of so many things. Amen? Amen? So, knowing that God has done that in your life, then look forward to what God will do in your life if you simply do what He requires of you. And if you're willing to say yes. Amen? Amen? It goes on to say, um, picking up in, picking up in uh, verse number, uh, I'll start, go back to 10 here. For the land, whither thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out, from thou, uh, where thou sowed thy seed, and watered it with thy foot, as a garden of herbs. But the land whither you go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and, drink, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments. Please in the line, it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, uh, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Please in the line, serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And that means not half-stepping. That means really, really serving God with all your heart and all your soul. If you're serving God only on Sunday by coming to church, and by giving in tithes and offerings, by working in the Sunday school as a teacher, as an usher, if you're only doing that, then the rest of the week you're not even thinking about God. You're not acknowledging Him in your day-to-day activities then are you really serving God with all your heart and with all your soul? Alright? See, you know, you really, really have to get to the point, and for us today in the 21st century where we are so busy, we're running, 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 it's hard sometimes to serve God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, does that mean that you have to be 24-7 down on your knees with your Bible open praying? Of course not. God knows you can't do that. Even ancient, ancient Israel, they had to work in the fields, they had to do this, they had to do that. But serving God with all your soul is how you feel in your heart. You can certainly be praying to God even while you're working. Are you in the habit of just simply praying silently to God when you're doing chores around the house? You know, is God really in your thoughts when there's an issue in your house? Where there's a financial issue, where there's a sickness in, in your house, where there's something going on within your family. Are you thinking about God first? When that issue is, is indeed going on and you think about it, do you take time to drop down on your knees and just put, put the dishcloth in the sink if you're doing dishes and say, I'm going to take time and go in the back and, and get down on my knees and I'm going to pray. And I say to you especially, this is, this is important, if, if your life is experiencing some change. If there's something going on in your life that is other than routine, if there's a, 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 a nervousness and anxiousness, so to speak, that something just quite isn't right, you need to go to God. You need to go to God. Okay? God could be warning you of some things that's coming down the path that could be greater than what you'd imagine. Holy Spirit could be calling you to come talk to me, come talk to me, come talk to me. You know? Who knows that God can tell you don't make a left turn on Main Street because there's no road. Amen? Seem far-fetched? But guess what? 
the major things that happened in your life that caused chaos, that caused you to sit back and say, whoa, what do I do, what do I do? God may have been calling to you before you got there to tell you that there's no road. The things in life that happen to you that are particularly disturbing, many times God will tell you beforehand. But if you don't know him, if you're not taking the time to talk to him, then you can't hear him. You've got to get to the point that you really, 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 really realize how important God is in your life. If you think your job is important because they give you a paycheck, and every single month you get direct deposit or a check or whatever it is, however you get paid, but just think, God made it possible for you to have that job. Amen? So before we go holding up the banks and the boss, oh, they make sure my paycheck is in the system, the bank makes sure they don't lose my money. But guess what? If God didn't give you that job, you wouldn't be getting it. So how do we ignore him? He says, if you shall hearken to him with all of your soul. Verse 14. That I will give you the rain of your... Well, let me read 13 into 14, because it fits together. Um, starting at 13 again. And it shall come to pass, if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in the due season. Okay? Underline that. I will give you the rain of your land in his due season. The first rain and the latter rain. That thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle. That thou mayest eat and be full. So what's he saying? If you love him with all your heart and with all your soul, he says that he will give you the rain in your land and the due seeds. In other words, when you need something, those that are farmers and hearing this message really can understand this. How important rain is to crops and their crops that in turn bring them an income. But God is saying here, when your crops need rain, I'll send it. Okay? It'll be in its due season. The, the former and the latter rain. Okay? That thou mayest gather thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy field for thy cattle. So in other words, he will give you what the cattle need grass. God will supply the grass for your cattle. So the things in your life that require something else, God will take care of that too. It's just a matter of you redirecting your sense of importance. It's a matter of you redirecting where your focus is going to be. It's a, it's a matter of re, redirecting, taking yourself out of so much involvement in this physical realm and getting, by an act of your will, into God's spiritual realm. It's like you haven't acted before. Possibly very uncomfortable maybe for some. Because what I'm talking about here is something far deeper than just simply going to church and saying you're a Christian. You can't love, the God, love God with all your heart and with all your soul just one day a week for two or three hours. That you're in a church. It goes beyond that. If you really, 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 really want your life to be turned around. If you really, 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 really want to do what God is calling you to do. Let me put it this way. If you really, 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 really want to succeed, put it like that, then you've got to back up 
and do what God is requiring you to do. Okay? Now I'm talking about a level here that in some cases will go right over the heads of some people. They won't understand what's being said. But I'm saying to you that the life that you're living is spiritual first. And then the physical realm is secondary. If you're successful in the spiritual realm with God, you'll be successful in the physical realm. It won't happen the other way around. It'll be short-lived. You'll, you'll receive some modicum of success, quote-unquote, without God. But be aware also that the devil can bring about successes too. And they're short-lived. They're not permanent. And if you revel in those successes, they're going to take you away from God. And then you're really in trouble. Amen? What do you require of me, Lord? He goes on to say here in verse number 16, Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived. Please in the line. Take heed to yourself that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside to serve other gods and worship them. Highlight all of that. 16. Take heed to your sight, yourselves that your heart be not deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And I see that running so closely today. People like kind of on the borderline here where people are not worshiping openly pagan images and not Satanists openly, but they get deceived and they wind up and they start worshiping other things, other man-made things. Other doctrines even, I will take it as fair to say, to say other doctrines. Doctrines that will take you away from what the true word of God is saying. Don't let your heart be deceived. The word of God and an understanding of what the word of God is saying is what is of utmost importance to you. Verse 17, getting to a closing here. And verse 17 here. And then the Lord's, um, and worship, and then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up the heaven, and there be no rain. And that the land yield not her fruit. Unless you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall you lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul. And bind them for a sign upon your hand. That they may be as frontlets between your eyes. Okay? So this is saying here, just don't have these words floating around, uh, you know, in your mind someplace. But have them deeply rooted in your heart. And in your soul, and bind them, not uh, for a sign, bind them for a sign upon your hand, that it may be as frontless between your eyes. Now, if you go back to Jewish orthodoxy, even today, and you can look online and you'll see where they sell them, they're very, 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 very expensive, but they have what's called a, a phylactery. There's a little leather pouch that has the Word of God, usually it's the book of Isaiah, I believe it is. And that is, is, is wrapped around the head and it sits right here between your eyes, the frontlet. And then the other thing, the other phylactery sits on your hand, on the back of the hand. And again, it's a little leather box kind of pouch. And the wrapping that goes around is very intricate. In, intricate. And every wrapping around the finger means something specific relative to the Word of God. So it's very, very carefully done and, and it's worn. Uh, if you look at um, Israel today and you will see some of the uh, Jews who are at the Wailing Wall when they're praying, if you look closely, you'll see many of the Hasidim or Hasidic Jews. They are the ones that wear, wear the curls and the long hair and wear the, um, the um, I forget the name of it now, the garment that has the fringes hanging on. Anyway, uh, it's all very ceremonial. And so what God was telling them here to keep that word 
near your head and, and on, the, on your hand. And, and they literally were doing that. But God is saying it to get it more importantly down into your spirit. So that it's not just, you know, and you hear me always say that we can intellectually read the Bible and memorize the word. Well, God is not saying it. Get the word deep in your spirit. So that you understand what God is really saying. Verse 19. And you shall teach them your children. Speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when you rise up. Now you see, teaching your children. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates. What does God require of me? You that have children. Are you teaching your children? Are you teaching your children to be bold in who they are? In Christ Jesus. Are you teaching your children to always turn to God first when there's an issue that's in their life? Verse 21. That your days may be multiplied in the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. For if you shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and you shall possess greater nations, mightier than yourselves. The problems that are in your life today, it could be representative of the nations, but God will say, saying unto you, that the problems, the things in your life that would be coming against you, God will drive them out. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. From the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of, of you upon all the land that you shall tread upon, as he has said unto you. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you, shall, if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go, to go after other gods which you have not known. And we'll stop there. Please, please highlight all the verses uh, 26 and 27. Behold, I set upon you this day a blessing and a curse. So this day, I say to you, that you've heard the word of God. It can be a blessing for you, or you can choose not to follow what God would have you to do, in which case it run, you run the risk of it being, being a curse, in that things in your life just won't be right. All of us experience change. And change is not going to stop you. If you heard the old uh, business saying, you know, the only thing uh, 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 constant in life is indeed change itself. Change is always going to be there. But the thing that is constant in life, which when I hear that in business circles and in meetings, I always want to stand up. God is constant. Okay? God is constant. What God is saying to you here today and what God has said in his word Think about it. Chew on it. Pray about it. Times that are coming before us, I think, are going to become more and more challenging as Jesus continues to tarry. But for us Christians, for us children of God, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that is insurmountable. Because God is there to be with you and to help you through. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.